0: Shall we begin?
1: Let's begin. Irakunda! What a finish! What a hit! Remember the name!
0: Nestor Irakunda. Look at that! How on earth has Kuo scored from there? Suta! Another international goal! Rich Bagaloo through the crowds, fires one up into the top corner.
1: This is the Soccer Who's Podcast, the show all about Australian football. As we look to unearth the next generation of socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's Podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by Jimmy James Jarvis. You don't like Jimmy, do you? I, I don't mind it. Okay.
0: I've had, I've had worse. What's, what's the worst? Probably Jam Jar. No, I hate it's that. That's the first three letters of yeah, James Jarvis's. That feels Jam like Jam. the sort of um,
1: nickname or username you come up with in primary school. Yeah, that's what, your first game of tag. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I won't call you Jam Jar. But I appreciate that. I do want to. I do want to extend a special welcome to another certain James, another James J. James Johnson. Now, I've been watching the Matilda series on Disney Plus. I don't know whether you're across it, whether you have Disney Plus. I do not have Disney Plus. No. Uh, I would recommend getting Disney Plus just for this series. It's been fantastic so far. I'll admit I'm probably a little bit late to watching it. It's been out for a couple of weeks now, but it's fantastic. And I did notice in the second episode, James Johnson is not opposed to listening to football podcasts from the fans of football in this country. He was listening to the Far Post pod. But I would like to say that James, if you're listening to this one, a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for for spending time listening to the people that are fans of the sport that you run. P- really appreciate it. And, uh, and I think you're doing a great job. So anything else to add to that, James?
0: Uh, I'd agree. And I'm sure we have our ideas that could help. So come on the show, mate.
1: Oh, James Johnson would be a big pull for this show. I know there was another big big wig of football on another podcast recently and a little bit of a controversial figure.
0: Well, James Johnson is my favorite chair.
1: Oh uh, yeah, out of out of the two of them, not that it really is a competition, but out of the two, I do like James Johnson. I'd say
0: the one that probably worked at FIFA and the highest levels of football and world governance probably just just tips the tips the charts.
1: Hey, but if the other one was listening I would also like to have a conversation with you and let you know my
0: thoughts as well. It would probably be a bit more candid than other conversations though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, enough about the people who run this game in this country. There's been a lot that's been said in the last week. and
0: I didn't realise we were speaking about the fans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well played, well played. Uh, James, let's get into what we usually do. Let's get into... The thing that I think makes this show what it is, we'll go around the grounds. Let's unpack what's happened in the past week in Australian football. Firstly, I'd like to turn our attention to the Netherlands, specifically Matt Ryan. What a player he is. What a game that was. Nil all against Ajax. Clean sheet, obviously, because that's what happens when you don't concede any goals. Against Ajax as well, who are, I think... The most, maybe the second most famous team to come out of the Netherlands. The only other one I'm thinking of is PSV.
0: I'd say Ajax, countably.
1: Look, I think Ajax is is the big dog, though.
0: Purely because of Johan Cruyff as well. Like that whole total football era. Um,
1: It is interesting. Yeah. Ajax are in third at the moment. So they're not the top dogs, at least for the time being. Feyenoord currently sitting in first, then PSV in second. But a nil-all result... Alkmaar, Ryan's team, is currently sitting in fourth position, only two points behind Ajax as well. So a big result for them. Maybe hoping for a win, but Matt Ryan did his job in keeping the goals out of his goal.
0: I mean, games like that is the reason why AZ brought in Matty Ryan, right? And he's good with his feet, but as we've seen time and time again, when it matters the most, Matty Ryan, you know, he pulls it out the bag, right? And huge game, three huge saves, really impressive performance. To be honest, Ajax probably shocked at least one of those (laughs) shots didn't go in. Two diving saves, all of his saves were inside the box. Insane performance, glinting one insane save at the near post. Um, Just a phenomenal performance. Played incredibly well. And, I mean, his long passing distribution as well was absolutely on point. So, a great game by Matty Ryan. And, I mean, you see why he's in such a high level of football right now, over in the Netherlands. And it's just great to see him be a number one somewhere, deservedly so, being comfortable in that role and in that uh, standard in the game. And it sets him up really well heading into the Asian Cup in just a few months' time now, six months, seven months.
1: There you go. Uh, Should we turn our attention to England? Sounds good, mate. Because the Premier League is getting towards the very end of the season. I know that last week's podcast, I think, I titled it The Pointy End, but we really are getting there in the Premier League and across the majority of leagues, let's be real. One interesting storyline is Leicester currently fighting. As time of recording, they just lost, I believe, overnight. Harry Sutar wasn't playing. The game before, he also didn't play, but the two centre-backs did perform quite well. I think one getting a goal, the other getting an assist. But Leicester could be relegated and Soutar could be going back down to the championship if things don't change in the next couple of games. Do you see the manager switching up? Do you see Soutar getting an opportunity again? Or are we just crossing our fingers that they, they stay up and he impresses over the offseason?
0: Um, oh, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I think Dean Smith is... Well and truly blown at the end of the season here for Leicester. He was Brendan Rodgers was obviously sacked. Dean Smith brought in, hoping to stabilise the ship a little bit, uh, and it just got went from bad to worse, really, uh, because he persisted with the issues that Leicester had all season. And Leicester started stabilising when they brought in sutar to fix one of those issues, which was the you know right centre back position. And then centre back is out, you know, Sutard's out of that centre back spot. They bring back in uh Faze and Soyunku as the combination which just doesn't work there's not enough mobility there and Sutav was brought to him because he's a highly mobile centre back despite his very large frame he's a great recovery runner uh and Soyunku and Faze neither are recovering centre backs they can't really do that they want to step up to the line and win the ball early uh so once you get in behind you know when you have fast when you come up against fast team like Fulham who have you know, play a four-two-three-one, have a creative midfielder in behind us, running dribbles to really fast forwards. These results happen, they get in behind, and I think Soutar is in a really tricky spot because the Leicester move on paper was phenomenal, and the club for him, historically, is a great move. But if it does get relegated, it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation, really, for Soutar because... He's a Premier League level centre-back, I believe that. Uh, and the manager currently, I think, isn't good enough, I think, for the lower Premier League level. And it has shown repeatedly for Dean Spencer because he has never been able to succeed in the lower Premier League club. So Suter are in a tricky position right now. And I hope for his sake that they manage to just stay up and that someone new is brought in that will value his talent because Soutar a very unique skill set that is Premier League level, and I think will serve him well at that Premier League level. If Leicester do end up going down, I don't see them selling him, even though that I'm sure there will be suitors for suitor. And is that intentional? Suitors. I was for just suitor? speaking English, mate. Mm, interesting. Uh but yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Uh, I think for me, Leicester will stay up by the skin of their teeth, uh, and. Sutar will be okay. I see them getting probably a result on the last day against West Ham to stay up. That would be my, my bold take. Uh, and we'll see Everton go down or Nottingham Forest or both. I think I don't see both of those sides staying out of the relegation zone. So I think Soutar will be fortunate and Leicester will be fortunate and just survive this releg- relegation scrap.
1: Yeah, it, it is one that I've been checking because I work early in the morning. I am not able to watch all the games, but I definitely have my F- Mob app open, tracking all the games, and I'm and I'm always going, oh, Leicester lost. But did Harry Sutar play? Oh, he didn't play. Oh, I don't know if that's okay or not. Bit of an internal struggle, because, yeah, I agree. I want them to stay up, but I selfishly, for the Socceroos, want Harry Sutar to be the man that provides the solution for Leicester. And if he's not on the pitch, I don't, I don't know. W- are you better off being a bench player in the Premier League or are you better off being a player playing consistently in the Championship? I imagine the answer is going to be Championship.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think consistent football trumps all. And if you're playing consistent football, you're developing more because the best teacher is game time Mm. at the end of the day for pretty much every professional out there. there. If you're over the age of 18, the best teacher is game time. And that's really the biggest thing.
1: There you go. So one definitely to watch in the next couple of weeks. Also in the Premier League, didn't get any game time, but Brighton's 1-0 win against Manchester United the other day, there was a familiar face on the bench for Brighton. Cam Pupion, I I can't say whether I know off the top of my head if it was his first bench appearance for Brighton, at least in the league. I know he's definitely been there during Cups, but in the league... I believe it is. First, if if it is happy to be corrected, but what a mammoth game to be on the bench for, a game that Brighton eventually went on to win in like the ninety sixth minute or so via a penalty, potentially doing damage to Manchester United's European hopes as well.
0: Yeah, it's well deserved bench appearance. Ah, uh, obviously when I say bench appearance, he didn't appear off the bench. Ah, uh, that is a distinction I would like to draw. So no minutes for Campupion, But I was I was hoping
1: he would. I was hope I'm mean, if. If that goal had gone in any sooner, maybe we could have seen because oh, whoever was playing on the right wing didn't seem based purely on on a number of different websites giving updated live ratings. I was like, oh, is he, is he able to get on the pitch? And I uh, think they made the sub in the 70th minute. And Matoma, I think, is the left winger for for Brighton. He was playing very well. So it didn't seem like it was going to be a move that would have happened. But... I lived in hope for a little bit that we might see Pupion in the Premier League.
0: I think it will happen uh, this season uh, because obviously Premier League 2 literally just wrapped up. He had this last game on Saturday, as did Alex Robertson, as did Zach Gillinson. all the young Australians that are playing in that competition have now finished for the year. Uh, So their full attention goes to trying to secure some Premier League minutes because there's nothing else really to play for. Uh, So I think we will see a bench appearance uh, because the what that we're seeing now for Brighton is they've got a couple of games in hand and the rest of the competition, really. If they don't win those games in hand, it will very, very much become a... trying to consolidate that position, uh, which is, they should do quite comfortably. So they're not really playing for anything anymore and we'll see youngsters have those opportunities. If they win those games in hand, though, they're playing for Champions League football, right? Because mm. United, Liverpool, Brighton, and to a lesser extent Tottenham all somewhat in that hunt. Uh, if Brighton win those games, and her so well and truly in the hunt with Liverpool and Man United for that fourth spot. So it'll be very interesting to see. And I think we will probably see him because I don't think Brighton will quite have the legs to get there. And probably towards the end of the season against maybe like Aston Villa in the last game, Man City in the second to last game, we're likely to see Camp Cupion off the bench.
1: That would be very, very exciting to see. James, one of your favourites?
0: He's got an assist. Gethin Jones. Look, Gethin Jones, good footballer. Uh, maybe won't be a socceroo uh, because he's starting to get on a little bit. You know, that window is starting to close. Uh, but he also kind of got injured. So mm. that doesn't really help the 27-year-old. So uh, right back option, can play right center back, back three, back four. Either will do. Good player, got injured. But hey, at least at least he got an assist, right? Uh, so a good little performance from Gethin Jones, uh, unfortunately an injury accompanying it, but a good season for him nonetheless. I can't imagine him coming back with only two games left. With uh, so we'll probably just play it safe. Bolton though in promotion buy off, so mm. maybe he will end up coming back uh, to vie for promotion and going up with some Australian counterparts in Lewongu and Cameron Burgess. Mass and Cameron were already promoted though, right? Yes, they are. So. Maybe he'll join
1: them. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Just clarifying. I was like, "Um, I'm fairly certain that we said last week on the show that they were promoted. While we're on promotion and relegation, just quickly, I don't think we spoke about this the other week, but Kenny Dougal, unfortunately, his Blackpool side has gone down. They've been relegated. It's a bit disappointing. I imagine he'll still be quite firmly in the plans of the manager next season. Whilst the quality of opposition... Might change a little
0: bit. I'd imagine some championship clubs would be very interested in him, though. Okay. He's, very, he's a very talented midfielder and he fits that composition to a T. And he was probably the best player in that side all season. So for Kenny Dougal, I'd imagine some lower end championship teams would be very interested in bringing him in because he's a versatile midfielder, can offer you a lot. And its he, he's a very talented player. It's very sad, in my opinion, that he hasn't had more soccer opportunities. Uh, that's just the nature of how our midfield looks right now. But Kenny Dougal, I imagine, will probably end up staying in the championship. You know, his his side will probably net a, a decent little fee for him. I'd imagine around that, you know, two hundred to 300,000 pound mark. And I imagine and I hope he'll remain over there in England playing in the championship because he's definitely good enough still.
1: Uh. Lastly, on promotion, a name that I must admit that I haven't seen before. I've done a quick Google, so I'm you're the man I'm going to rely on to provide the context and the information around this, this man. John Brady, manager of Northampton Town. They got promoted. He's an Australian manager. Uh, Australian international under-17 level. Seemed to have spent a lot of time in the lower leagues in England, but you know, getting a team promoted is never an easy task and he's done it. Yeah,
0: he has. And good on him. He spent most of his life over in England in the end um, because that's just the way it sometimes works out for footballers that were born in Australia that want professional aspirations. So really exciting uh, to see an Australian uh, have good plaudits um, and being born in In Newcastle, I'll consider him Australian. He played for the Australian under-17, so we'll take that, even though he's played, lived pretty much his entire life over in England. But great to see um, an Australian manager get a good result and get promoted. And League One is, in my mind, really the start of really high-level football in England. League Two is obviously a very good level, but in my mind, League One is the true marker of, okay... This is where we need to. This is where you get serious about looking for international players, because that's where the level really steps up to what that global standard is for players. So it'll be great to see a Australian-born manager plying his trade at that level. Do
1: you reckon we could ever see John Brady as a national team coach? If you're looking for an option that is Australian, Australian-born, I'm not saying. In the next couple of years, because obviously Arnold has been given another uh, World Cup cycle. But maybe after Arnold's done, if if he continues to do wonders with this Northampton town side. Look, maybe.
0: Um, you don't sound convinced. It's just very early in this mind, your career. It's 48 years old, right? Mm. So mm. I would say probably I can't foresee it happening in the next decade. Maybe the next decade after that, yeah. When he's 58, entering his 60s, it could happen. But, I mean, a decade is a very long time in football, so it's very hard to say what will happen. Because I think, for me, managers like Kevin Muscat will probably have the first phone call if Arnold moves oh, on. Oh, yeah.
1: Kevin Muscat is 100% going to be one of the first cabs off the rank. I, I can't imagine that John Brady is is one of the names that is high up on the list. And, and we've seen that managers such as Harry... Kuehl, I was gonna say Suter. He didn't find a lot of success in the lower leagues in England, but
0: it doesn't always translate. It's it's not an easy thing. It can to also do. just take time. Yeah. I mean, when you look at John Brady, I mean had a lot of time as an assistant, was a head coach at Brackley Town, which is you know in the lower leagues in England, uh, for you know six years before spending more time as an assistant before joining Northampton Town. No, he, he's been around the block and being an assistant takes time. Um, becoming a top level manager to manage your own side as a senior, uh, as the main manager, takes a lot of time. So for Harry Kuehl, time is still on his side, mm. right? We could see him after this Celtic assistant job move on and become a successful manager. It's very hard to transition from playing career to managerial career seamlessly and I mean, when I look at all the best managers in the world, they had a period of transition, right? It's very, very rare that you see any manager go from playing to successful managers straight away. It's very, very rare. There are some exceptions to the rule, like Vincent Kompany with Burnley. He obviously retired, spent a year as a player coach over in Belgium, got the Burnley job, and now is doing an insane job. He's an exception to the rule. Most of the high-level former player managers have time as, either as an academy manager or as an assistant manager. And I'd say for John Brady, I I don't think yet he's ready. And Harry Kuehl, he, he could also still be an Australian manager one day. But time will tell. I think, for me, the age when I start thinking of, oh, they're ready, is either they're managing in a, say, a top... 20 league in the world and ideally they're probably pushing 50 you know getting closer to 60 because I think there has to be a distinct age difference for me Um, when you look at senior management because the life experience is a very important thing being a senior international manager and it's different to club management because that is very much more personal experience uh, but being an international manager, you have to just demand respect from the get-go because you don't have as much personal relations with the players. So I think life experience is a very important thing in that regard.
1: Fair enough. Uh, turning our attention away from managers back to the the footballers, Lachlan Brook, he's on loan at Crew Alexandra in League Two. Played out a two-all draw against Newport. Managed to get on the score sheet.
0: He did. Uh, not a great year for Lachlan Brook. Very much up and down. Um Yeah, look, I think Brentford are probably a bit disappointed at the end of the day uh, because obviously when they signed him from Adelaide United, they had a view of him becoming potentially a very, very talented player that could potentially play in the first team. I think Brentford have also outgrown Lachlan Brook a little bit, I would say, in terms of Brentford's development. But for Lachlan Brook, not an ideal year. He's played a good amount of football, uh, hasn't really... Scored all that much of being that impactful as you'd want him to be. But against Newport, got himself a goal, which is always good to see. And it'll be very interesting to see what is the next step for Lachlan Brook. Last minute equaliser, which is fun. But for Lachlan Brook, I can't see him remaining in League 2. He could, but I think the level is still a tiny bit above him. And he needs to grow a little bit more. I think, um, in terms of his decision-making especially, to be a consistently impactful player in League Two. Okay. Big shout, especially considering
1: his involvement with our junior national team sides.
0: I'd say that was more motivated by potential rather than current ability. Okay. Fair, fair, fair call.
1: Uh, speaking of a player with high potential, Ale Sacardi, over in Serie B. It's been a little bit since his last game... It, He played a game on the 23rd of April, which I guess isn't too, too long ago. Uh, Only got three minutes in that one. Uh, Then yesterday, as as we record this, a 2-0 win over Brescia. Played 70 minutes in the match. And, uh,
0: you know, clean sheet as well. Never hurts. Yeah, minutes can be very volatile for young players. Obviously, he got a red card on the 19th of March, which he spoke about. uh, And then... A long road for him to get back in the first team and, you know, get that opportunity again. But back, starting, obviously started more earlier in the season because Palmer played a back three. Return, they transitioned to a back four. Minutes dropped. Found it harder to crack because, I mean, a back four is very different to a back three. Had a few opportunities to play well. Dropped out of the team. Then had a few more opportunities. Got that red card. Dropped back out of the team. Now back in the team, which is phenomenal to see as Palmer are playing some decently meaningful games right now. I mean, it won't affect their league table position. They're going to go into the playoffs. That's guaranteed. Uh pretty much with two games to play, they will go into the playoffs. But how they will go in the playoffs is obviously a big question and teams at this stage even if their position is very much, you know, locked in, confirmed, teams usually want to still play their most competitive team because they want to have good reps, be in good form heading into the playoffs. And I mean, they still home legs to secure and home ground advantage to secure. So it's great to see Alec Ciccardo still playing in a meaningful game, helping get a result against Brescia, which didn't feature, of course, another soccer root, unfortunately for him.
1: No, he's still injured at the moment, Frank still, Heritage.
0: Still injured, and it's resulted in a bit of a... Um, Bit of a fall for Brescia, who are now flirting with relegation at the bottom of the table. So not the sort of flirting you want to be doing, right? No, not at all. Uh but for Frank Harris, you saw, he's also out of contract. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes at the end of the year if he does move on. But remaining on Alasakade, dual national, continuing to develop. I'm continuously impressed by the poise that he shows at his age and the impressive passing uh, distribution and decision making he shows at his age. And his defensive game is coming along every single day. He needs to beef up a little bit, of course. And that's to be expected for a young player, that that is his main weakness, strength. Uh, but young players usually don't show as much poise and sharp decision-making as Alec Cicardi has at his age. Which makes sense why, despite playing in Serie B and not playing all that regularly, he's become an Italian youth international. And the soccer should still be keeping very close tabs to them because... As a fourth-choice centre-back, I think is a phenomenal option right now for the Socceroos. And based on potential, could be a phenomenal pairing long-term with Harry Suter.
1: I hope that one day we do see him in the green and gold. Another player that is in a very similar boat, Christian Volpado. I'll quickly mention him. Not getting a lot of minutes lately. A lot of bench appearances in the same way that uh, Pupion has. Not appearing off the bench, but appearing on the bench. Making that delineation once again, he did play twenty-one minutes the other day, Thursday, the fourth of May. So what, just less than a week ago at this point, against Monza in a one-all draw. Similar sort of boat are we? Are we picturing for Circadi, Pupion just needing those minutes, needing to forge a way into the first team?
0: Well, Volpado is very much in the first team now. I think volpato is far ahead in development compared to Pupion. I'd say it's not really. Close in terms of development. I think Volpard is clearly ready to play senior football right now, and it's shown in getting, you know, being on the bench every single week. That is, for a team like Roma, a very impressive feat, to be honest. And it follows a natural development for a player his age. Of course, he's, you know, still very young, just 19 years of age, right? So we saw him break through, get a couple of bench appearances here and there when he turned 18. Now, at the age of 19, regularly featuring a bench, coming off the bench occasionally and trying to make the most of that opportunity. And that's very normal development for what usually becomes star players. Mm. Very normal development. Uh, it's very much a new revelation of football that we see 18 and 19-year-olds starting week in, week out, right? Historically, what we've seen from Volpado and the development so- style that we've seen from Volpado is very normal. I mean... David Beckham played three games before his 20th birthday. Three. Yeah. Right? And it's only recently in the last five years that we started seeing teenagers playing hundreds of games before they hit the age of 20. And that's why I think it's very much not to worry about four Pardo because he's in the first team. He's training with the first team. He's getting opportunities to be on the bench. He's getting opportunities to come off the bench and he's impressing in them. So the ability is clearly there. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the bench. And the potential is clearly there. Otherwise, they would have moved on and looked for someone else. So, for me, Christian Volpardo is developing as expected and is still on track to be potentially a world-class player. So, still a massive question mark, obviously. He says he's equally Italian, equally Australian, which I think is very fair. That's a very fair thing to say because of what his upbringing has been from an Italian family, despite being born and raised in Australia. And hopefully after another very solid 20 minutes where he very rarely made a mistake, needs to learn to be a bit more impactful at times. Uh, but it's clearly intentional in his growth. He was a lot more defensively solid as we've seen previously. So a good game from Volpado remains to be seen, though, if he'll end up being a soccer. Hopefully, though, yes.
1: Yeah, we can, we can all hope, or at least you and I can hope. I don't know if we can say all. I know that he's a little bit of a divisive player. The
0: best players usually are.
1: A player that I don't think we'll see for the Socceroos in a a long time, maybe ever, unless there's some serious career resurgence. Resurgence? Resurgence. It's definitely resurgence. Alex goes back. (laughs) (laughs) Alex goes back. Yeah, I mean, he got an assist for the B team against LA Galaxy 2. It was a 5-0 win. LA Galaxy had two red cards in the game. Uh, it was three nil before the first red card, and then the second red card came after the the other two goals. But playing for the second team, f- forgive me for not knowing. Was he injured at all? Was this was this him coming back from the first team? Because? This is just him getting minutes. Okay, so yeah. he's not even really making the first team. Yeah, for he's, the, he's the
0: backup left back right now.
1: Okay, not great, um, but an assist. What sort of level is the second MLS tier?
0: I would say if you took just like the A-League MPL sides and you allowed them to play their the reserves from the A-League in those MPL sides regularly, it's about
1: there. Okay. So not great. No. Okay. Well, so I we move on quickly from goes back. Yeah,
0: he he's very much um around that now lower league two standard if I had to transition it to England. Okay. Like it, it's it's not good.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm feeling sad already. I hope for his sake and I hope for the sake of the soccer is we, we, we get some more competition in that left back spot, but it doesn't seem like it's gonna be from goes back anytime soon. Happy to be wrong, would love to be wrong, but it feels like it's been a bit of a fall from grace over the last couple of years for him. Yeah, a
0: really bad transfer. Leaving France, where he was via promotion to Ligue 1, regularly playing, regularly playing good football, where he was about to become potentially a regular Ligue 1 left back, and now isn't even featuring in the MLS. It's, it's it's not good.
1: It's not good. Shall we shall we turn our attention to France, where there is some good news. We we spoke last week about Jean Roux becoming a a medal winner, becoming a cup winner. He's getting minutes now for Toulouse. Toulouse? Toulouse? Toulouse. Toulouse. I don't know why I put the S in there. It's, it's spelt Toulouse, but said Toulouse.
0: You could say you were a bit loose with that enunciation.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a day so far. Uh, but yes,
0: Denny jean getting some match minutes. Yeah, considering his match minutes, um, another start, which is great to see. And I mean, he's very, very much in my mind, firmly now a legan level player with the regularity he's playing, with how well he's playing. I mean, this was against Lens, who are currently second in the table, pushing PSG to the last game week, maybe, um, for the title. And for him to be playing as well as he did, of course, freshly promoted side to Lou, and he played very, very well in that side. Uh, defensively, he got beaten a little bit, uh, but on the ball, when he had the opportunities, Progressed it well, linked to play together well, I think was very, very effective and was part of a very good low block as well, holding off Lens for you know a good half hour, but then transitioning to create some decent chances. And for me, Denis Jean next Socceru's cab, should be there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he definitely should be I know that there is some chat about the French league not being as good as some of the other top leagues, but I think getting consistent minutes in that league yeah. is nothing to be sniffed at.
0: The soccer is level as well, yeah, definitely, uh, especially when you compare it to who was in the last camp, I think, fair enough. He deserved to be there in Conor Metcalf, not playing as much in the Bundesliga too. I think league is a slightly higher standard and jean I think, is very much at that spot.
1: 100%. Uh, I mean, there's another game that happened just this week that involved a couple of Socceroos midfielders. It was the game that secured the title for Celtic. Aaron Moy got an assist in it, uh, 2-0 over Hearts. We saw Cameron Devlin also get 74 minutes. Didn't see any Atkinson. Didn't see any Kuol. We saw Rolls.
0: He he also played the full match. Well, we did see Atkinson. He was just sitting on the bench the whole time. Kuol though. Nowhere to be seen.
1: Yeah. Not, not a good feeling
0: for this Hearts
1: podcast that we have no.
0: here. No, not at all. Um the next step for Koal is gonna be very important. Um I believe we said from the get go, uh at least I did, that the Hearts move was an ideal and it was clearly motivated by staying in England and being able to assimilate by being with Australians and I think that's been very clear that, that has been one of the main things focused on, uh getting used to a professional environment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it is a bit disappointing. Would have liked for a few more opportunities, I think. Uh, And it's not doom and gloom, but the next move is very, very important because he needs to have more opportunities going into next season. I think, for me, I would love to see him heading to continental Europe, potentially. Uh, Maybe going over to somewhere like a Switzerland, Belgium, Netherlands, Portugal. These kind of leagues that are Highly technical and highly transitional will fit him very naturally. Uh, But, I mean, a lot has been said on Kowal. I think Atkinson's lack of football is also very, very disappointing. He's very much fallen out of favour in that Hearts team. And another Australian that I think maybe should be thinking about moving. uh, Because if he wants to be consenting for that regular right-back spot for the Socceroos, I think he needs regular football, and he's just not getting it at Hearts anymore either. Mm. Unlike someone like Ty Rolls and Cam Devlin, who have been pretty much regular starters. And for me now, now, also regular locks, the Soccero squad with how they've been performing. And Cam Devlin, probably the best player for Hearts that game. It's very rare that you see a CDM be one of the best players on the pitch for his team in a 2-0 loss. But Cameron Devlin, he finds a way to do it. He does find a way to do it. Is there anyone else you want to cover off well, on? Probably should say a proper congratulations to
1: Aaron Moy. Oh, I mean... He's cr- lifting a trophy. Congratulations, Aaron Moy. A big win. Uh, two of three might be going for the treble this year. we Will be going for the treble
0: this year. And hopefully some European football as well next year.
1: Uh, that would be great to see. Mm. Uh, for Moy, for Ange, for... All involved, Australian all involved. Wise. Harry Kewell as well. All the Australians over at Celtic. Congratulations. So I, I was really excited to get to the transfer part of this because there have been some transfer news, some transfer stories. There's been a massive list of footballers released by A-League clubs. We're approaching the A-League neutral termination window, but let's let's talk about a couple of these transfers. <coughs> Firstly, James, I want to bring to you Callum Elder, being released by Hull. Where do you think he goes to next? Does he stay in England? Does he does he come to Australia?
0: He definitely has to come to Australia. I mean. If he came to Australia, he'd be one of the best players in Australia. Like, it wouldn't be close. And I think for me, he has to stay in England, ideally. I mean, there's a few places in continental Europe that would work for him, but I think the championship is a natural place that he will want to stay. I think Hull and him, it was just time to part ways. He's been there for a few seasons now. And with Hull looking to build and look to start to build a team vying for promotion. They need consistency, right? They need consistency Mm -hmm. at a left-back spot. And it's not that he isn't consistent. It's the fact that he isn't consistently available. A few injuries here and there. But I see him staying in the championship. I see him staying within... England most definitely. I see him moving probably to either a low end championship team to be a regular starter or a high end championship team to be a backup left back. You know, teams that have struggled for fullbacks this year, I think I think of the Swanseas, Watford have had a bit of a left back issue as well. And then looking further down, I think, you know, Cardiff, Huddersfield, those could be good options. since want to play a bit more expansive football, uh, and looking for a highly talented fullback. Uh, to start for them on that flank. So, some very natural moves, I think, for Callum Elder, but I don't see him leaving England. And for that matter, I would be a bit disappointed if he even left the championship.
1: Wow, big, big, big call. There's also been the A-League mutual termination window because the season is over for a number of teams. From a Socceroos perspective, or at least a, a future Socceroos perspective, doesn't seem to be anyone really of note. Tommy Urich, obviously former Soccero, released from Melbourne Victory. I think uh, West United also announced a bunch of departures, including James Troisi. Neil Kilkenny, I think, played a game or two for the Socceroos. But as far as future Socceroos at this point in time, it doesn't seem to be any big calls there. So we won't dwell on those. But I will note that it has been said that Jelicic, He's heading off to Belgium, revealed by Brisbane Raw (laughs) superfan. I don't remember his name. Orange Wig Richard Raw is his name. Yeah, I've had to pull that from the very back of my brain. But he he revealed on on his Twitter account, of all places, that Jelicic is heading off to Belgium.
0: Of course, he's a Brisbane
1: boy, Keegan Jelicic. Yep, he is. Uh, And a potential Socceroos player as well. Don't know where in Belgium he's heading off to, but that seems like it's a good level for him.
0: Would you agree? Oh yeah, it's it's a brilliant move. I mean, it's a league that suits his skill set. It's a league that suits his level, and it's a very natural move. And I think Belgium is a phenomenal transitional league for Australian players because it's it suits his skill set and it suits the developmental needs. It's a transitional league which suits our players because Australian Australia is just a transitional. Nation in terms of how we want to play football. We want to get up and down. We want to run. We want to do those things. So Belgium wants to play transitional football. Belgium, though, is a highly technical league. It demands technical ability. It demands technical improvement, which is very, very important for our young players to grow in because I think for us to take the next step as a nation and the next step as a national team, technical development and technical ability is probably the most important thing for me. So it's great to see him over in that league. And I think it's also great to see just him being over there because it's a very natural developmental league. They want to develop talent to sell on. So it will suit him as a stepping stone as well because I think Kigny can, in my mind, the potential to be in the top five leagues. And being over in Belgium, developing over there, playing in a style of football and a brand of football that suits his ability will be absolutely phenomenal for his development and really exciting because he's a potential soccerer in the future. So... Very good move for him and great to see, you know, also just a Queenslander make that move because we haven't seen much Queensland talent recently uh, as the raw really struggled to develop talent.
1: They do, that is for sure. Finally, James, some talent not from Queensland. Nestor Irenkunda, it was rumoured last week that he was heading off to Bayern Munich and then during the broadcast of the Adelaide game in which they won by the way, a, a great game for Adelaide to, to win, progressing through the next round of the finals. We didn't really talk about this before, but...
0: Good moral stance, I say,
1: though. Sure. Uh, not talking about the the A-League finals. That's the stance that James is <laughs> clearly wanting to take. Uh, Aaron Kunda did have a good game, though. Played well off the bench. But what I will note is that during the broadcast of that game, there was a tweet that was tweeted out by Adam Peacock saying, well, no, 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 this rumour... He's heading off to the Bundesliga. I think BN Sports originally tweeted it. It's not happening. And then later on, it was confirmed, at least by Aaron Kunda, that it wasn't happening, at least at this point in time.
0: Yeah, a bit of a weird one. Because BN Sports, obviously, a reputable outlet, especially for the German game. They get a lot of scoops of German stories. So, curious. I would say that that hasn't happened. It seems like there's still something going on negotiating-wise. Uh, I I would say that's probably means it's between player and club, rather than club and club. I would say mm. Adelaide have accepted an offer from Bayern Munich. Yep, and then that is the report that has come out, and BN's like, oh, okay, Adelaide have accepted an offer from Bayern Munich. There's the story, because Aaron couldn't wouldn't reject Bayern Munich, right? Mm. Right. <laughs> Uh, So clearly there's something negotiating of terms still happening. Uh, What those terms are, I don't know. Maybe it's what he wants to do next because obviously it was said that he would be loaned back to Adelaide in the terms of the agreement that being reported and that would be arranged by club to club. That would be in the transfer agreement that he would be loaned back. So maybe he doesn't want to go back. But then also passport issues. So he can't play over there until he turns 18, as I understand the passport rules and regulations. Could be maybe loaned to France, but I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Maybe he wants to join Moture, obviously another LA boy who just made his professional debut over in France, playing in Ligue 1 for the first time as well. So it's a bit of a weird one. I would say still some personal terms obviously being figured out there. Maybe it's a wage thing. Maybe it's a future wage thing. Who knows? But I would say at the end of the day, he's probably going to end up at Bayern uh, and he will be confirmed. I would say personal terms will be arranged eventually between the two.
1: There you go. Well, I think we'll call it time there for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us as we unpack what's been going on in Australian football. You can get in touch with us via our socials, TikTok, Twitter. We're probably most active on Twitter, let's be real, and Instagram or via our email, soccerwhospod at gmail.com. If there's any player that you feel like we should highlight, we've not talked about enough. I feel like Mo Toure, we maybe glossed over a little bit too much. Fantastic work for him to make his debut in France. May that one slip through the goal? Yeah,
0: maybe it did. Maybe there was a bit of a hole in the net.
1: Maybe. No, it wasn't a hole in the net. Maybe a hole in the gloves.
0: No, no. You know what it is? What is It's it? a teaser for next week where we're going to real look at it. Yeah, re- do A real deep dive. Yeah, a real deep dive.
1: You're doing a week-long tease.
0: Yeah, so you have to you have to listen to next week's episode. Okay. To get the the full breakdown of Moture.
1: That You better deliver on this full breakdown of Moture then.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll look up at least his meal name.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm expecting at least a 10-minute part of the show.
0: A full dossier.
1: Yeah, 100%. I want to see <laughs> manila folders on this table this time next week. Thanks so much for joining us, as always.
0: Catch you next week. Until then, enjoy the football.